to Tax Yak, a tax banter podcast. We love yakking about tax, so we've invited a range of tax experts and practitioners to have a chat with us. We hope you enjoy this episode of Tax Yak. I'm Robin Jacobson, a senior tax trainer with Tax Banter and your host of today's podcast. Before I introduce my guest, I'm delighted to inform you that our Tax Yak podcast has just been listed at number 32 on Feedspot's Top 50 Australia Audio Podcasts and Radio You Must Subscribe and Listen to in 2019. These podcasts made the list because they actively work to educate, inspire and empower their readers with frequent updates and high quality episodes. This is a huge achievement considering we only launched TaxiAC a little over six months ago. It's exciting we accomplished this so quickly and are ranked with a number of very established podcasts. Well done to the whole TaxiAC team and a big thank you to our listeners because without you this wouldn't have been possible either. So to my guest today, I'm joined by John Shepherd, Assistant Commissioner with the Tax Office and Program Lead for Single Touch Payroll. John, welcome to TaxiAC. Great, thanks for having me, Robin. And those, they're pretty impressive numbers. I'm really impressed. Like six yeah. months and we're at number 32, so I think what we can do in a year. It's terrific. I thought we had good numbers, but yours are pretty good too. That's good. Look, I'm really excited to have you here today. Um, by way of background, you and I have been working together on single touch payroll for about three years now, but your background with STP goes back longer than that. Uh, the consulta- consultation in the background has been a big part of the success of single touch payroll. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we agree. I think of some of those decisions we took back in the early law consultation, actually, and they've really, um, you know, stood us in good stead, I think, the fact that we've actually had so many people actually advising us on what you know, what to do and, and what direction to take on this. Um, and so I'm really pleased with where we've got to as well. Look, what I'd like to run through with you in our discussion today is I want to give everyone an update on where STP is sitting, how many employers are in, but I want to put some hard questions to you, ones that I continue to receive when I'm talking about single-touch payroll with our clients. Firstly, the legislative background, um, hopefully everybody is now aware, but on the 1st of March this year, Royal Assent was given to the enacting legislation or the amending legislation, so we've now got proper legislative framework for STP to be applied against all employers. And from 1 July this year, all those small employers are also going to be part of STP. So this has been a big achievement. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I keep jokingly saying we've already only had the law in for substantial employers for just over, over a year or a couple of years now. And um, we've already seen some streamlining of the legislation with that headcount date coming out, absolutely. which was the headcount for the 20 or more. Which is good. So current numbers. Uh, we've uh, got some figures as of today. There are now more than 85,000 employers reporting through STP. Now that's made up of around 48,000 substantial employers who have been required to report through STP since 1 July last year. And there are probably about another, what, 15 or so thousand of those to come on board, but they'll be still under deferrals and other similar arrangements. Around 37,000 small employers are voluntarily choosing to report through STP. And that puts us at about 5.8 million employees around the country, employee records, are now being accessed through MyGov. This is a huge achievement. I want to go back to the 37,000. Does that figure surprise you that that many are on board already voluntarily ahead of the 1 July 19 start date? Um, Yes and no. Look, what I would say in having worked closely with a bunch of software developers over the last few years on this, um, they've done a really good job to build this into their product. So it is fairly seamless. And from very early days of the substantial employers coming on, we saw a bunch of small employers just choose to start. Um, and, the, and the feedback has generally been um, it was easy. It was actually quite an easy step. And, and as it says, a single touch almost. 
um, when I'm paying my staff. So it was like, why don't I start? And we've also been um, sending messages to that group to really encourage them to think about starting early. We've got some 700,000 small employers to come on this year. So um, getting that sort of head start was pretty important and being able to spread this out you know, over the next period of time. So the experience of small employers who come on board and they say it's not as bad as we thought. Um, there's a current bit of marketing promotional material being run out by the ATO. There's a couple sitting on a couch and they're talking about what appears to be their relationship, but it actually, of course, yeah. is STP. Um, very interesting. With the employees who are coming on board, is this a bit like the injection at the doctor? The thought of it's worse than the actual event, and once they're in, it's actually not that bad? Look, I'd hope to think that's the case. Um, it's certainly, and that marketing campaign you refer to is around take the next step. Um, and for those, as I said, with software, it really is, it, it shouldn't be a big, a big step. And that's what we've kind of encouraged. If you, there's, there's some different groups in, groupings in this small business audience, and certainly those with software should find this transition relatively straightforward. The employers are coming on board at the rate of, at the moment, eight to 900 employers a day. So the take-up is really taking off now, and by mid-year, you're going to have a good chunk of employers already on board. No, absolutely. So um, those numbers really have picked up since we saw the small business law pass, but also the fact that we're now getting towards the end of the transition year for the larger employers, and some of those did get deferrals and extra time given the complexity of their payrolls. They're all now, you know, the software's ready. They're just getting their business processes ready, and what we are seeing is those onboarding continuing. Um, interestingly, as well as the um, numbers of, and you mentioned the onboarding acceleration, um, that number that um, we mentioned, 80, just over 80,000, we expect to be close to 100,000 by the end of May. Um, and for the employee numbers, which are at 5.8 million employees, we expect that to climb to around 9 million by tax time. So that, that will pick up a, the greater proportion of employees in Australia. You should be very proud of those figures. Yeah, absolutely. The total numbers, we're looking at around 70,000 roughly substantial employers, but around 750,000 small employers. So if we go back, say, 18, 19 years, GST was introduced and all of a sudden we had to drag businesses out of the old shoebox full of receipts into some sort of accounting system. And nearly two decades later, we're going through this process again. We've got to drag these businesses out of what could be old desktop-based versions of software into a cloud-based version or even more so dragging some businesses that still aren't computerised into a computerised environment. How do you get the message through? How do you convince businesses that this is good for them? Um, look, you're right. It, it is interesting to think back at GST and the change that happened then. And interestingly, um, I think some of those desktop products are products that were purchased with the money people got at GST time to implement a system to support them. So they're still on some of those versions and haven't updated them, which will be a challenge for those. Um, but look, I think for us it's a longer game here of actually saying we're not going to get all 750,000 from July. Uh, we're not going to get them all from September either. It's going to be a period of time they'll need to transition. So we're really focused on those most able now um, and just trying to get some of the others to start to make their transition, whether that's through some of the options we'll talk about in a little while through, through, that kind of, through their agent support or whether that's through taking up a low-cost product um, there's lots of options here and look, the, the benefits are longer term here too. So although in the first instance there's things around the removal of the payment summary, um, there's certainly a lot of good things to be able to show your employees that you're actually a good payer of super. This does provide the visibility over the superannuation compliance, which is importantly one of the main reasons for the extension to small business. 
um, plus some other things there around your individual employees having the visibility of their tax and income position through the year and not getting you know, unwanted surprises at year end when they gather up their payment summaries and lodge a tax return and find they haven't paid enough tax. So to come to the core question here, why STP? Why have a business that was reporting to you every quarter or every month or every year, depending on what cycle and what information they're providing, and now essentially the government is forcing them to report in line with their payroll, which could be as regular as every week. So how is this better for business? Um, look, it's really around the natural business process. So as you mentioned, they're currently reporting potentially monthly and quarterly and annually, um, but not just to the ATO, to a bunch of other government organisations as well. They might be getting um, requests from Centrelink or from Social Security for things like um, income proof or from the Child Support Agency and others, or they might be getting Bureau of Statistics surveying them. There's a whole lot of different imposts that business gets at different times of the year. And importantly, they're not part of a natural process. They're out of cycle. Um, quarterly is a forced kind of cycle that we put in place as part of doing the activity statements. Um, so the idea of single touch payroll is to do your um, reporting whilst you're doing another event. And that event's not gonna, is gonna always be there, which is paying staff. So the idea of actually being able to do this as an additional thing just to, to basically send the data you're sending um, to the bank, um, sending that data to the ATO at the same time, and then over time, we'll be able to remove some of those obligations. Uh, we've got plans to next year to pre-fill the activity statement with the withholding amounts. Um, the payment summaries obviously aren't required by an employer if you're in STP. Um, we'll continue to look at other opportunities to streamline um, and importantly, I know in the budget there was an announcement by you know, at least the incumbent government, I know we're now into an election cycle, about the extension and use of this data for other agency purposes. With the natural business cycle, you might have a business that is paying its staff every week or every fortnight, but it doesn't mean that the way they are paying them is easily adaptable to STP reporting. And so really the biggest challenge here is for the smaller businesses, whether it be the micro one to four employees, or even one that has 10 or 15 employees. They could be using a more manual process or a desktop-based version of software that nonetheless is not going to be adequate for STP reporting. So they may say, I've got a good business process and it works and it works for my business. Yeah. And yet I've still got to go and change it to adapt to STP. Um, look, I think that's just part of um, technology, you know, the adaption of technology and some broader things that will, will benefit a business. Certainly um, things like payroll software do help with people paying the right rates of pay for people. And I, and I keep getting told, I've been told by a number of different people and seen myself with my own son's work, how complex awards can be. So trying to keep it across all of those different regulatory requirements is pretty hard when you're not in some kind of system that's continually being updated. So there's a bigger picture here as well. Um, however, um, we are doing what we can to also recognise that this is a big transition for people. So that's why we've worked through when the Commissioner released a statement when the law was given royal assent. Um, the Commissioner, I often say the Commissioner doesn't release many statements, but for those around for GST, we certainly had one then. We had one for TaxPAC, which said if you're you know, making best endeavours that you won't be penalised. And we thought it was important enough, and the Commissioner thought it was important enough to issue one for this, which really recognises that this is a big change and that we will be flexible um, with the transition and make sure that there's options for people. And I'm happy to kind of talk through what some of those options would be. What do you say to the business that says, you're already getting information from me on a regular basis? Every quarter, I lodge my BAS, I tell you the salaries and wages, I tell you the withholding, 
We've got SuperStream that's there for the payment of the contributions. The funds are reporting back to the ATO through those member account transaction service reports or the MATS yeah. reports. So why do we need STP on top of the quarterly reporting of the BAS? Um, well, look, firstly, with, if I start with the BAS, the BAS really only gives you a rolled up amounts for the employees. It doesn't give us detail about what each of those employees are earning. It's at a business level. Um, and what we do find on that is at the end of the year, when we do get the detailed employee records, which come through in the payment, the PSAR, the Payment Summary Annual Report, we find every year there's a bunch of employers who um, those figures don't reconcile and we actually have to raise liabilities and go back and chase that debt back from those businesses. So um, that current process doesn't really give the visibility of the individual employee amounts and doesn't allow us to be as proactive as we'd like. Um, and it doesn't provide that income information for, that would, could be used to then streamline the interactions on other um, government um, reporting requirements as well. Um, if I go to the superannuation, the actual super clearinghouse again is only used, when I say only, it's used by I think up to 200,000 small businesses out of the 800,000 businesses in Australia. Um, and that is really only a quarterly, super's a quarterly obligation. Those amounts um, that are notified or paid through the clearinghouse, there is no requirement to notify if there isn't pays made. So there's really no um, way for us to assess on the super compliance whether or not an employer is actually paying what they should be at just a tracking through what they're paid. And that's probably been the big gap in the system for some years, which has led to this $2.8 billion superannuation gap that we've estimated. And I do say it's an estimate because we don't have any other reliable source of what the liabilities actually are. The only person that gets that reporting on the liabilities at the moment is the employee, and they get that on their pay slip. Unfortunately, a lot of them assume what's on their pay slips actually been paid, so they aren't really then tracking whether the money's going into the fund. So we're kind of missing, either they're missing the other part of the picture, and if we just track um, payments, we're missing the bit of the picture that says what did they owe. And look, the actions of some employers is indefensible um, and the unconscionable behaviour where they have not been paying super for many, many years in some cases where those employees are missing out. Uh, it's a huge issue and, and hopefully STP will go a long way to addressing this. Absolutely. And as the regulator on the super guarantee, we've kind of had one hand tied behind our back because we don't really have that full picture, as I said, of information. And the information we get has been quite lagged. Often we might not find out for 18 months or so after the super's not been paid. And we don't have great visibility on late payment either. And in all those cases, um, unlike withholding tax not being paid, the employee doesn't get a credit for that. They don't get the super back if it can't be collected. So they're the ones that are dudded, unlike the withholding tax, where they still would get the credit in their tax return. What do you say to those doomsayers who say that this will only send more workers into the black economy, that they will be redeployed as contractors, that that places them outside the STP reporting? What do you say to the people that say, all it's going to do is drive people underground? Um, look, there's, there are some other initiatives, as you know, around contractors, so the, the T, TPRS um, tax tax reportable payment system um, as part is another way that we're actually tracking that contractor payment and look what we're trying to do is systematize this reporting and the compliance associated with that so um, of course there's always other things that people will look to actually exploit um, and what this does though is actually um, really narrow that group of people from my mind because you've got a whole lot of people who are doing the right thing compliance just becomes part of their part of what they do as they pay staff and that allows us to focus our resources more on those those cases you talked about that are in the black economy or staying out of the system. And again, as you know, there's been 
quite a, a lot of um, activity in the black economy space. The ATO has been given funding to address and other agencies as well. Um, and that um, things like mobile strike force and things have actually been having you know, quite a good effect in a number of areas. John, I want to ask you the question that has repeatedly come up. And it doesn't matter whether you run this in your webcast or whether we're running in-house training on single touch payroll, the question repeatedly is put to us. Why won't the ATO provide a free reporting solution through the portal? So look, I'm happy to address that one. Um, and that has been history. If you look at the superannuation clearinghouse option we talked about, we have provided a free service there for people to meet their superstream obligations. And activity statements for yeah, the course through the portal? Yeah, activity statements. Um, look, we've, we've made quite a deliberate decision to, to step away for two main reasons, I guess. One is that natural business process I talked about. So um, reporting through a government portal, logging onto it, and just for reporting purposes each week or fortnight is not a natural business process for anybody. So um, that would be the first one. We really have tried to look for solutions that are close to what you're doing anyway in paying staff. Um, the second one um, is that our approach to market to actually work with software companies and um, others to actually look at providing reporting solutions um, has meant that we've got a variety of different options. If the ATO had stepped into the market here um, and provided a free software solution and, and, and people say to me um, the ATO should have provided free payroll software and I say well that would be a great call centre to run when people actually don't get paid wouldn't it. Um, that's not our core business um, but what we've been able to get through the approach we've taken is a variety of solutions so we've got some low cost payroll products at $10 or less per month but we've also got some alternate reporting solutions for those who don't feel able to run a payroll product um, and only have a couple of employees and that suits them. There are portal solutions in there and there will be apps as well so some really lightweight things for people who don't want to upgrade their systems, their desktop system or get a computer. Most people have a mobile phone so there will be those options as well. Again, if the ATO had stepped into the market and provided a free option, it's very unlikely we would have seen the market come and put forward this range of solutions. And it wouldn't have been as tailored. It wouldn't have been as tailored to the different payroll. And look, there's one I haven't mentioned in that list because at the moment there aren't any on the register, but we have also been talking to a, a number of the banks who have expressed interest in actually providing an internet banking option as well, which would mean as you're paying staff through your internet banking, you could actually provide the STP report through there, um, which again fits ne neatly with that process of paying staff. So we're quite, we quite like that idea as well. Um, and I think it's just a matter of time. I want to go back to a phrase you used just to remove any confusion. You said portal solutions, yep. which could be available through some of these low or no cost solutions. Yep. Uh, I'd like to just clarify, we're talking about a lowercase p there, not a capital P. Absolutely. So and, I don't and mean look, the I, ATO portal. Maybe I should have described them as web forms. So they're really web form solutions. More a platform. Yeah, more a platform that people could log on securely to um, enter their data and send it through. Um, that's just another option that will be in that list for those who prefer that. For me, that's kind of a bridging solution in effect. Um, you know, ideally everyone's on their way to something that's a bit more natural, whether that ends up being an internet banking option or an app or a, a payroll solution. And we've seen a number of the big payroll providers put out options um, and they're on the register. So um, I'd say to people, go and have a look at the register. It's on their website now um, at ato.gov.au forward slash STP solutions. Very good. So just categorical final question on this topic, the ATO will not provide a portal solution. That's correct. So no tax agent portal solution, no business portal solution and no super clearinghouse solution categorically.
Okay, so everybody, stop asking the question because you're not going to get anywhere with this one. Uh, that said, of course, you can view your STP reports through the portals and through the new tax professionals um, platform. So they can be viewed, they just can't be lodged. Correct. And and similarly, yeah. as an agent, you can actually view your employee's data that's been reported through the portal. So the things that have been um, submitted um, through the STP solutions are being made available back to the individual through MyGov, through ATO online, um, and back through the portals. John, the tax office, in conjunction with the consultative processes, has devised some alternative reporting solutions and reporting options for those that are going to have some greater challenges transitioning in. So can we talk for a moment um, about the smalls? Uh, and very briefly, what is the deadline by which a small employer needs to be reporting through STP? Um, so certainly um, the legislative date is the 1st of July 2019. But as part of the Commissioner's statement, we've said that as long as an a small employer starts reporting by the 30th of September, they don't need to apply for additional time. So if you like, that's been described as a bit of a buffer period to allow people the time to make a good decision if they need to choose a software product um, or they need to tee something up with their agent. That just gives a little bit more time given that that's not very far away. Okay, micro-employers, one to four employees. They are going to be able to report quarterly through an agent. What does that mean and what does that look like? Um, so look, that was again something that came out of our consultation um, with on, around how to, how to address particularly some of the paper-based um, employers still um, in terms of what their transition options might be. So um, it's a two-year transition option, so it's, it's bounded by those two years. But the idea is that the agent can help that employer do their reporting at the same time as they do their BAS. That won't be on the BAS, but it'll actually just be due at the same time. Um, and there's a number of options that either are on the register or will come to the register. Um, you know, there's options there about the employee can do it through, um, the, the tax agent can help the employer take up a product and just do it on their behalf. Or there will be also some practitioner software options there where they can just lodge on behalf of the employee. So the uh, agent would need to find their own solution. The agent would need to find a solution that can do STP. And we, I know at least at least one or two of those that are there now. And I expect there'll be a few more to come on that front as well. Closely held, there'll be permanent quarterly reporting. Um, and this is a kind of application like it is for the micros yeah. with the quarterly reporting. Um, brief comment on that because we have had um, some other discussions through various other webinars and podcasts on the closely held. But brief comment on the look. It for was them. just recognising that there isn't a regular pay event for, for closely held payees, and so um, it was a pragmatic answer to say um, we can't not get any information through, but getting something quarterly and then still the true up at the end of year when the agent does the return um, was a good step in the right direction. So um, that's where we've landed, and I think that's been received reasonably well. And look, for those who would like more information on that, certainly the ATO website at ato.gov.au forward slash STP has a, a, a lot of information dealing with all the reporting options, including closely helds. And a fact sheet on the closely helds, which is quite good. Thank you. And separately, we've uh, got information on our banter blog, and uh, that is available th uh, through our website, where you can access a, a summary of what those rules are, particularly for the closely held payees. John, tax time. We're sitting here in uh, mid-April, we're into election mode. June 30 is not far away, so what does STP look like for those who are already in STP and what would it look like this time next year for those who are joining for the first time after 1 July? So look, um, I mentioned the number of employees that are now in STP being about 5.8 million um, and I think I also might have said we expect that by June that will be around 9 million employees who are getting data um, 
provided to them through STP. And if I'm not correct, there was something like only about 13 million taxpayers. So um, the total be- number of um, taxpayers is around yeah 12 or 13, and then total number of payment summaries is closer to 16. So because you know multiple jobs, yeah, multiple jobs. So a taxpayer doesn't equal a payment summary, obviously. So so by the end of June this year, we'd be more than halfway through the number of employees who would be fully captured by STP. Absolutely, absolutely, which is pretty exciting. So. Um, also exciting for tax time. Clearly tax time is a big priority for the ATO as well to get right. Um, so a couple of key messages I just wanted to share about tax time for this year and we're starting to do a fair bit more communication around this and a really important message for agents who I know help both employers with their year end and also um, individuals to do their tax returns and all those people who race in at the start of July to get their refund and I know we still have lots of people in that category. In fact, the expectation of a refund um, becomes shorter and shorter, I think, each year um, as technology's moved on and we've been able to get the refunds out. So what, I haven't got my refund by the 4th of July? I know, it's like it's it's like it's become a bit like that. So, um, so for the employer, let me start with the employer's perspective first. So importantly, um, those agents that are helping their employers um, to get ready, um, that the employer needs to let their employees know if they're in STP that they won't be providing a payment summary. As we said in the law, they are not required to. Um, that is optional. Um, so they are able to, um, they, they can still provide a payment summary if they wish, but they certainly don't have to under the law. So first thing we're saying is make sure your employee is aware whether or not you're gonna provide them with a payment summary this year. Uh, we're providing some material and fact sheets for employers to, act, to help with that communication. So certainly look out for that. Um, It's also important that the employer finalises their data in STP as soon as possible um, is our key message there because once it's finalised that then obviously releases it to the tax time process for the employees. Um, They do though have until the 31st of July. Now that's a bit of a shift from um, previous years and, and from the old system of course where you actually had to provide the payment summary itself to your employees by the 14th of July and the payment summary annual report by the 14th of August. So we've kind of split the difference and said for this year as a transition, you have until the 31st of July to finalise that data so, so and just one event. So that's a one-off for 1819 only? That's correct. Okay. So, and that's a one-off event rather than having those two things that I mentioned. But of course you can still go back once you finalise. That's why we say finalise as soon as possible because you can still go back and amend. There is functionality in STP to be able to come back and make any after any changes that come to light after that's been finalised as well. John, I know there's an issue with employers who have come on board during an income year. So let's say you start on the 1st of October rather than on 1 July. And there are various options for transitioning in, but the beauty of STP is when you lodge your first report, your year-to-date data can bring in the balance going back to 1 July. So you don't necessarily have to start on 1 July. Some employers have chosen to issue payment summaries for part of the year when they weren't reporting through STP and then report the rest of the year through STP. And I understand that some of them are trying to do the right thing by covering all their bases. So they're issuing a payment summary for the part of the year they weren't in STP, and then they're re-reporting that information through STP just to make sure that it's not left out. And they end up doubling the income, in some cases, of their employees. So how can you go about addressing that and making sure that employers understand whatever you issue a payment summary for, you don't also re-report the same figures through STP? Yeah, that's certainly a key message. And the other one is where you have employees. Some employees you're reporting through STP and some you are not yet reporting. And there's certainly some employees in that boat. So our key message is either finalise in STP or finalise with a PISA. 
Um, we would prefer that you finalise an SDP. So we just don't want to see that double up and obviously be clear to your employees that not to put both, if those figures duplicate, not to put both sets in their tax return. What does year end look like for the employee? So, so let's from, say they've been in STP already for the last yeah. six or eight months. So from an employee's perspective, the key message here is that um, they, the way they get their payment summary will change, um, having been in SDP. Not that they won't get that information, it's just going to change. And look, I, I laughingly say it's going to change again because, of course, back in 2000 when we did GST, we changed the group certificate to a payment summary. And I find it funny, 19 years later, people are still calling it a group certificate. So I'm finding a lot of young accountants are calling yeah, it group certificate. So just, they've learned it off their It's just stuck. So, so we've got another iteration of that now called an income statement. And so what's changing from an employee's perspective, if your employer's reporting through STP, you will come to ATO Online Services in MyGov to get a copy of your um, income statement on the least payment summary. Um, but also, importantly, the way you get that data in your tax return is just the same. It will be there available in the pre-fill. Um, whether you do a tax return yourself through MyTax or whether your agent does it, that data will still come through. And what it will highlight is particularly that data that is, um, it'll highlight all of the STP reported data, but it will show you for those employers who have finalised that it's tax ready. And our advice to employees is wait until it's tax ready before you do your tax return. If you have some data there that's not tax ready, hold fire and we will actually come back with a message once all of your employers are finalised. So for employees, when you're looking at your MyGov account throughout the year, as an employee, it will show year to date, and that will be the status of your MyGov account. By June 30, or on June 30, mm. I should say, the status will change to not tax ready. And that indicates to you that the year has come to an end, but the employer has not yet lodged the finalisation declaration. Once the employer lodges the finalisation declaration that uh, ongoing will be from the 14th, uh, 14 July deadline, so it's got to be done by that date, then the status will change to tax ready. So the status or the colour of the um, little label on the account yep. will change as they go throughout the year. Yep, so simple message for employees is just take that data that's tax ready into your tax return. If you've got data there that's, un that's not finalised, um, not showing tax ready, hold fire. Check in with your employer if need be about when that's going to be finalised, but we'll come back with a message and let you know when, when it's all finalised and ready to go for your return. So can an employee obtain an employment income statement from the employer? No, it, the income statement will be basically available in MyGov. Um, again, I should say for those that have difficulties accessing MyGov, they can come to our call centre and get a copy of that. Um, but the primary thing is to go and all of your income statements will be in one place. If your employer is providing that data, that's the old payment summary, um, they won't be issuing you. Um, if you're an STP, um, they sh more than likely won't be issuing you with a payment summary. Can you comment on the issue, which I'm sure you're aware of, over the years where an, uh, a client of an accountant has set up a MyGov account and then basically opened up the ATO part of it, it's directed correspondence to mm. it. And so there's a concern amongst a number of agents that with more and more employees opening up MyGov accounts so they can access this STP data, that that is then going to cause correspondence to be lost to agents. Um, so look, that, that has been a bit of a bugbear in terms of um, over the last few years, and there's been some functionality put in place um, through the correspondence, client correspondence list to be able to identify that correspondence. Um, but importantly, um, through the um, new tax professional um, portal service, 
um, the option has been piloted at the moment for the agent to be able to actually switch that back where that occurs inadvertently and, and funnel the correspondence back to them. So now Colin Walker, Assistant Commissioner of the ATO, has talked about this at length. So this yep. is ATO Online, which is the new online services. Yes. And he's recalled it, something uh, called preferencing. Yes. So preferencing would allow the agent to dictate which correspondence goes where. That's absolutely right. And as I said, that's currently been piloted and expected to be opened up more broadly um, later this year. That's good news. I'm sure that would be um, yeah, I think that's, that's been long coming and something that agents will be happy to hear, I'm sure. There's a bit of misinformation still out there regarding STP. Um, the most common one we hear is, can you lodge through the portal? Yeah. So some of the myths that have been circulating, for example, I have to report contractors or personal services income that's attributed through STP. Your response? I'm happy to, to say, no, they're not, no, there's no requirement. So okay. um, that's fine. What do you do if you've got no internet? Are you still required to report it through STP? Um, look, we have got exemption criteria. There's importantly the ability through deferrals um, to um, be able to report less frequently in those circumstances, in special circumstances. Um, for example, you only come to town and get access to internet once a month. Um, there are certain, we're going to cater for those sort of things. Um, but certainly no internet is an exemption criteria, which you could apply for an exemption year by year, essentially, um, to not have to report as well. What about if you're age challenged? Um, age challenge, unfortunately, there's no criteria for that. Um, but again, um, hardship cases and other things we certainly will look at. Um, I think my, my advice would be to say to people, just engage with us, talk to us about um, what your requirement is. Certainly deferrals will be very generous, you know, in this first 12 months. Because I've got to say, I've had more than once and more than a few times, the conversation where the employer might be mid-80s, they employ one or two people, often on an irregular basis, so they could be seasonal type workers or, or casual workers, and they're planning to be out of the game in a year or two. Yeah. So the question is, do they have to get up and running with STP and, and install a solution when they're basically planning to shut the doors in perhaps a year or two years? Yes, certainly those kind of cases, except real exceptional cases, happy to hear some of those circumstances and have a look at them, you know, but depending on what they are. They're kind of a case-by-case, case, hard to make kind of black and white rulings on some of those things, but certainly case-by-case case we will look at hardship and things. The ATO has talked about laneways in terms of handling taxpayer behaviour. So the idea is based on customs when you arrive at the airport and if you've got nothing to declare, you go straight to the green lane. How is the ATO going to tailor its approach based on the behaviour of taxpayers? Um, certainly the custom, I really like the customs analogy because, of course, when things are busy at the airport, um, if you didn't funnel everyone through a green lane, you'd get some awfully irate people and some big queues. Um, that's the case with this data. We're actually getting very large volumes of data, as you said earlier. Um, already we're up to peak days, which is usually a Wednesday, interestingly. Um, we get over one million employee records sent to us each of the last few Wednesdays, and those numbers are only going to grow as we get all the employee records in and all of the employers on board. So our approach is very much built on um, most people having a green lane experience like they do at the airport. Nothing to declare here, all is good. Um, we're doing a lot of work to actually understand this payroll reporting, in particular what the levels of self-correction will be. Um, you mentioned earlier the year-to-date reporting. Um, that allows you to actually, of course, correct in the next pay period where an anomaly comes through the payroll and things like under and overpayments are classic, where that would normally in a business process just be fixed up in the next pay period or successive pay period sometimes, and you just report those at the time. So for us, if we pick up an anomaly, just to, to work that through a little bit, if we pick up an anomaly 
every time we think, oh, that pays drop, that period, we'll be doing an awful lot of interaction back and forth with an employer for no real gain because that's going to just correct itself. So we're really aiming to learn so that our analytical models can learn what's going to self-correct um, and then not bug people unnecessarily. I think that's one of the great strengths or features of STP and it's something that when you explain it to them, they, they say, oh, that makes sense. But to have a, a situation where things are just constantly rewritten or overwritten mm. with fresh data every time a report's lodged. So you don't need to go back and amend a report necessarily. Um, I mean, there could be fundamental flaws within a, a, the data being provided, in which case you might do a total recall of the data and, and start again. Um, but in terms of just little corrections and errors that need that happen, it's life and it will just fix itself up in the next report. I think that's Absolutely. the beauty of it. And look, I think the other thing I'll address in that um, and how we use the data is I hear a lot of people when I'm out talking to businesses and tax agents say, you, oh, we do this funny thing in our business where we pay FBT or we don't pay FBT for people and or we do something special when someone's on mat leave and we still pay their super and... And you're going to think that we're you know, doing something dodgy and you're going to go back and audit me. I think the amount of those I've heard and we've certainly seen in the data is no two payrolls are the same. That's the point of actually us learning about how to deal with payroll data. And we're not going to jump to the wrong conclusion first off and actually jump in and do an audit. We certainly are giving people the benefit of the doubt and looking, as I said, the focus is on help and education and very big focus in the first year around um, help and assistance for this transition year. So. Um, and as we gradually learn more, the idea is we'll, we'll know what is hopefully a genuine anomaly that's worth questioning and what is just something that just happens in payroll. The ATO's position on penalties? Um, certainly no penalties in the, in the first 12 months. Um, that was the case for the substantial employers. That will be the case for the small employers as well, um, provided the employers, you know, making every, every effort and doing the right thing. Um, we are very focused not on penalties but on helping people get things right. There's been talk also of the ATO's use of nudge technology. So if an employer misses a report or it starts to become repeated behaviour, there might be a little nudge by way of a text message or an email. Yep, and we're still testing. We're starting to test what some of the best ways that employers would like to be contacted on those things. I occasionally hear that people find text messaging not the best channel to get to them. I've just got this image of someone out on a Saturday night with their family, with yep. their friends, celebrating a birthday, whatever, and then a text message pops up from the ATS saying you haven't lodged your STP report. I mean, yeah. that wouldn't go down too well. No, no, that's right. So getting that right is important. I think the best example of that I can give is um, what I talked earlier about with superannuation and moving from a very after lag system of chasing people who have missed payments and have huge penalties already accrued because SGC you know, can end up in quite large amounts. Um, but the idea for me of actually knowing that an employer has a liability to say pay $600 worth of SG for their employees and it's due next week so and they've been habitually late or not paid their super but being able to give them a nudge message to say hey your due date's next week we know you know previously you haven't always paid on time um, you owe $600 it's due next week and we'd encourage you to pay it so you don't incur any penalties is a much better place to be than waiting until they miss a date and then getting into a penalty conversation. So there's lots and lots of uses of little reminders. I think similarly for employees just to say, hey, things don't quite look right here in terms of what your employer's been reporting on your super and what's been paid. You might wanna have a conversation with them about whether or not you know that's right. John, thank you. It has been a delight to have you here and to be able to put all that, the hard questions to um, the absolute hero of STP. Um, um, your legacy, I think, will last long before beyond STP itself. So thank you for your time this afternoon. Thank you. I'm not sure about a hero, but I, it's certainly been a blast and I've enjoyed working with the industry on this.
Very good. And look, I'd love to get you back later in the year and we'll have a chat about how STP is going maybe six months from now. Terrific. Thanks for having me on Tax Shack. Terrific. Thank you for listening to this episode of Taxiac. If you're enjoying our podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review the show wherever you are because it will help to improve the profile of the show. If you'd like to connect with us on social media and let us know what you think or suggest future topics or speakers, you'll find us on LinkedIn and Twitter or you can email us at podcast at taxbanter.com.au. You can also find our regular blog articles at taxbanter.com.au forward slash banter hyphen blog. We look forward to you joining us next time. Bye.